Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewiston, Maine. This is Doug Doherty. I'm from Sooner Country, Norman, Oklahoma. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee, wishing you better brain health. Hi, Manita Kinlan here, wishing you a great day from Wind River, Wyoming. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, Aloha, Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. According to the syllabus, we are in week three of our journey here. That pertains to what did it feel like for you to sign your contract in your book? I want to get some perspectives here. I will start the conversation off handing it to Rick. And Rick, you hand it to the next person by just saying the person's name. And we'll start that way. When you signed the contract in the book, how did you feel? Thanks, Marsha. It brought up a lot of feelings for me of signing other contracts, a contract that you think you're not supposed to sign, like a mortgage or something like that. But then I realized it was a personal contract with myself, and it was one of the first times that I could actually make a contract with myself, and my personal contract, I signed it with the signature that no one would let me use. The bank wouldn't let me use it. No one would ever let me use it. After I thought about it for a while, it really made me feel free because I signed a contract with myself, and I could be myself. So it was really a cool thing, like a breakthrough. It took me a while to realize it. So, Chris, would you like to go? Sure, man. Thanks. It felt more like 
it was signing a contract with a team because I know that I was meant to meet all of you guys, especially Rick, Marcia, Cindy, and Doug, and Agnes, and even though I don't know Agnes very well yet, and Carl Davis, Kareem, and Manita, even though I haven't talked to Manita very much. I knew her before. And Cheryl, Rick's wife, don't know much about her yet. This feels so much like it's just so free-flowing and there's no bullshit. We can say and be who we are. We don't have to cater ourselves to meet anyone else's expectations. It's all about us as individuals and not having to fit into a box. So signing that for me was, it felt so right to think that, wow, this is about me? Because <laughs> I was so used to the other program and having to give, 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 give before I would see any results, which I, I understand, that's how things work. But to know that I'm going to be able to give and receive at the same time is, is just incredible. And like I said, it doesn't feel like a class. It just feels like a campfire discussion where we're just sitting around, we got snacks, whatever, we got beverages, and we've got the love and camaraderie that, that we need to, to, to be here and to do this the right way. And there's no awkwardness. I don't feel any awkwardness anyway. It just feels like it's, I've known you guys my whole life. That's what it feels like. And Soul Dancer, I feel like he's the teacher I never had, the mentor I never had. I'm not excluding you, Marsha. I meant leader. It's such a change from what I was doing before, and it's such a positive change, and it's made me appreciate coming to this call. It's once a week. I can handle that. I couldn't do 10 calls a week. And it's just so open, and it's so flexible for us. Soul's not trying to teach us how to think or what to think. He's saying, well, what do you think? And I think that's the biggest difference for me is he's asking what we think instead of telling us how to think or what we should think. And I think that that's so crucial to grooming successful people is understanding their perspective and agreeing with their perspective. As we said, there's agreeing and there's expectations. We had that discussion on the last call. So it's, I'm just at a loss for words because I'm so excited to be doing this with you guys. It's, it's awesome. I love being here. Great. Great, Chris. Cindy Ashline. When I signed the contract, I was excited about it, and it was a way of investing in myself. And as Chris was saying, it was with the team, too. We were friends on a journey before, and now I missed all of you, and I was really looking forward to hearing everyone's voice again. I have friends here, Chris and Marsha and Kareem, and some new people that I just met, so that's really exciting. This is a way to reach our goals and to just have more discipline, I think. We have to be on the call, and it's a once a week, like Chris said, not 10 calls a week. I can definitely do this and invest that amount of time. We're worth it. I'm looking forward to the journey. And like Chris was saying, we're asked what we think. So this is going to be a lot of fun. I felt good about signing my own contract. Yes. Agnes? Thank you. I feel good about signing the contract because I feel like it makes more of a commitment when you sign something like that that you're willing to 
do what it says do. And so, okay, I'll try David. Thank you, Agnes. I appreciate that. When I signed my contract, I really liked the idea of being able to put behind me things like guilt and shame and worry and pressure, allowing myself to step into a contract with myself and all of you where we are free of all of those things. Because I know from myself and my own experiences, anytime I'm coming from guilt, shame, worry, or pressure, probably not functioning on all cylinders. I'm probably not bringing my best self forward. And so I'm sure I'm not being a great service to others. What we put out there, we definitely get back, don't we? came for me was really a deep, deep feeling of gratitude, a feeling of ease, and a feeling of it's so easy, and I am so worthy of that. That felt amazing. I would like to pass this to terrific Tanya Heathcote. Well, thank you very much, David. Signing the contract for me was very easy. I noticed while reading through it and signing it, I noticed it's the first time that I signed a contract which implies accountability, accountability for myself and accountability for others, that it wasn't threatening to me. It was very easy. I was able to put behind me pressure and worry and shame, and I felt I was worth it. I felt I was worth putting into words a personal contract with myself and with all of you. How about Cheryl? The actual signing of the contract didn't really do anything for me because I had made that commitment with myself when I decided to take the class. I decided this is going to be it, and I'm going to help myself. I'm going to build my self-worth so that I can feel about it better about myself and the whole world around me. When I actually did that, I made that commitment to myself, and then I didn't even realize we were going to sign the other thing. So by that time, I had total mental thing that I was doing this. It was going to help me because my self-worth has kept me down all my life. Not sure what happened to me when I was a kid, but I've never been able to really, really get a handle on it. I've worked on it for a lot of years, and I really think this class is going to help me do that, so I'm really looking forward to that. Just making the commitment to myself was great. Marcia, would you like to take it? Okay. I'm going to just explain to you how I felt when I first signed that contract. The first time I looked at that contract, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh. I hate signing contracts. I really did not feel comfortable at first. And then what I did was I went further and read the ground rules. And that really, really helped me to ground myself. I think after I read those ground rules, the first thing I thought about myself was worry-free. Now, how am I going to come in here worry-free? Good grief. I've been worrying every month how I'm going to pay my bills for years. How am I going to get past this worry-free? 
I really quieted myself and I went to that sacred space that I needed to go to with that question in my mind. And once I did that, it was like the things that I was being told in that sacred space was amazing. I just felt that freedom. And I said, you know what? Now it feels good to sign this contract. It feels really good because in my whole life, I think there's only been two contracts that I've ever really been excited about signing. The first one was signing a contract to purchase our first home. I was really excited about that. But after many years, I have changed my mind about purchasing a new home. But I'm going to tell you, signing the contract in the book to myself was really something that changed everything for me. It made me determined. It made me want to focus even more so. And it made me want to go out there and share this program with people. I get it, guys. I actually get it. And I'm so grateful that you have all decided to share this journey with me. So very grateful. I know this is going to be an amazing journey for all of us. So as we dig in deeper into whatever questions we have, whatever thoughts that we had, Wait till you see what's coming up for us. You're going to be amazed, very amazed. And with that, David, you did bring up a good point. You brought up the ground rules. When you looked at the ground rules, you said that made a big difference for you. So now let's turn this over and let's look at the ground rules for a minute. When you first read the ground rules about doubt, guilt, shame, and worry in March, did you have any clue how important those four little critters would become in the contract you signed? I had no idea how those ground rules really helped me. When I first looked at those ground rules, I said, oh, these are nice ground rules. I really appreciate the fact that I could come in here feeling guilt-free, shame-free, worry-free. But then I looked at the word worry-free, and I said, I have been doing that for so long. How am I going to get past that? But I'll tell you, it just happens when you start doing the work. You really start feeling that major difference. And so... I went out there feeling more like a child discovering myself, and that really took the worry out of it all for myself. It was just fantastic how that all panned out for me. Okay, I appreciate that. Now, thinking back, did you think I was being a little too fussy as you were reading the ground rules as we started? No, I didn't think you were being fussy. I thought, this is great to have to ground rules. My thing was, I knew I was still worrying because it was the very beginning, and I wasn't sure how I was going to get out of worrying. As I continued on in the journey and getting on the classes as a student, I just started to really make progress, and, and I realized, one day that I wasn't worrying anymore. I said, how did that happen? That's fantastic. The reason why I'm really focused on doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, the reason why I'm focused on the difference between explorer and analyzer is for the first few months that we're together, 
I invite you to really take a solid, fresh look at who you are and what you have. And from experience, I've learned that if the analyzer gets cut loose, if doubt, guilt, shame, and worry run amok, we turn this journey into hell. <laughs> it is not my desire to put you through hell. <laughs> Even now, Marcia, you're about to start the fifth month of your journey. Is it safe to say that because you've become more conscious about how worry has played a role in your life, that because of the ground rules that you agreed to that you signed your contract on, yeah? Yeah. You made a commitment with yourself to let worry go. True? Yes, so true. Each of you have signed your contracts, I'm assuming. You've made a contract with yourself. It's not with me. It's not with Marsha. It's not with any of your team members. You've made a contract with yourself. So part of this plays out that if for whatever reason down the line surely might go something along the line, well, gee, uh, Tanya, you would just blah, blah, blah. It's like, wait a minute. No, Shirley's not responsible for Tanya. Tanya's not responsible for Shirley. <laughs> Tanya is responsible for Tanya. Shirley's responsible for Shirley. Carl's responsible for Carl. But because we have a tendency to really want to help each other, we sometimes go into that, it's tempting to go into lecture mode. And I think one of the more intriguing aspects, Marcia, that you've seen in yourself in your own journey is you've caught yourself talking to other people versus talking to yourself, those I statements. True? Yes. Yes. What has I that have. done for you, Marcia, with the I statements? The I statements are so much more empowering. They also help me to see my journey better, to see where I was at and how I am thinking about things now. When I say with I statements, I know that I'm talking about myself, my thoughts, my uh, perspective, my desires. Whatever it is that I'm talking about, it only pertains to me. So with that thought in mind, I'd like you to really take a deep dive into this question. When it comes to doubt, guilt, shame, and worry, when it comes to your internal explorer and analyzer, in what way does your explorer help you dissolve doubt, guilt, shame, and worry? So the question is, in what way does your explorer help dissolve doubt, guilt, shame, and worry? And before you get into that question, you might want to just double check with how you define the analyzer and how you define the explorer. Because each of you will have different perceptions of what it means to be an analyzer and what it means to be an explorer. I look at all that as fear. Guilt, shame, worry, those are all fear, fear-based things, and, and even pressure. So how do all those ground rules really help us to move past 
those fears that we have? And how is it that being an explorer rather than being an analyzer helps us with that? My explorer is that childlike nature. I'm reminded of my days when I was three and four years old, and I had the best sandbox in my neighborhood. My sandbox was a great place to explore. It was a great place to find worms. It was a great place to test out my Tonka trucks and all my good stuff. And it was a great place to invite or kick out my friends. <laughs> kind of look at this question in terms of that. I picture myself at that age in a very childlike nature allowing myself to just be and have fun and explore whatever's in front of me and really dig in. Now, if I was coming from an analyzer point of view, I'd be sizing up that, getting out the measuring stick and measuring that sandbox and figuring out how many square feet of sand are in there, and it would be a whole different thing. <laughs> so looking at how does my explorer help dissolve worry and fear and, and all those other interesting things. Allowing myself to come at it from a place of, I'm just exploring this. I'm just allowing myself to take a look. I can actually take a look at it from 500 feet above it. And I can just take a look and I can watch. And I can just look at it. Actually, I can look at it and not even be attached to it. I want to be. Or I can just allow what comes up allow it to pass right through, and therefore it's not attached to me. I'm not as invested in outcomes related to those feelings that maybe I don't want to uh, hang on to. So that's how I see that. That's awesome. How about if we go to Agnes now? I really don't know much about Explorer or the other one, and <laughs> I just need to know how to get rid of it. <laughs> okay. Well, the analyzer is the part of you in your head that always asks the questions, that always has to figure out the answers. When you think about it, as a child, we ask the questions, but we aren't necessarily looking for the answers. We're just asking those questions in wonderment, right? So the explorer can ask the same type of questions, but doesn't necessarily mean to have the answer right then and there. Think about when you were a child, Agnes, and the things that crossed your mind when you were a child. But I don't remember trying to figure out any answers. Okay. So, Agnes, do you recall what made you worry? She said that I would be always asking her, what could I do? So I was wondering what I could do, so that was a form of worry. Your mom said things that always made you worry. Yeah, I mean, I just always, if I didn't worry about my own problems, I worried about somebody else's. What about when you went out and played, Agnes? Were you worried then, too? I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a long time, Marcia. <laughs> so let's help you to recall some of that. So... Let me put it this way, Agnes. Let's help you do that. And so maybe this week you can take some time to do some reflection on 
the things that happened during your childhood that might help you to remember some things, okay? Okay. My perspective, how I looked at, at that whole idea of doubt, guilt, shame, and worry is that I remember as a child thinking things and really not having anybody tell me, well, this is the right way or this is the way you're supposed to think about it. I didn't have anybody telling me that because I did not hear people telling me this is the way you're supposed to think about it. I naturally did not have that guilt or shame about what my questions were what I was thinking. There was nobody there telling me, oh, well, you shouldn't be thinking that way. So I believe going back into my childhood really helped me to see, wow, when I was a child, I actually had a lot of things on my mind. And as long as nobody told me that's right or that's wrong or you shouldn't be thinking that way, then I was free. And there was nobody condemning me for what my thoughts were for what my feelings were, I remember that. And that right there was important to me. And that is the same reason why we have these ground rules. We don't want to come in here feeling guilty, feeling shameful, feeling the worry, feeling pressured out. We want to come in like that child, that innocent child who had nothing, no thoughts, to begin with, nobody telling them to begin with or condemning them for any reason. I was free. It is basically as when we're growing up and we're taught you shouldn't be thinking that way, oh, that's wrong, shame on you. Those are where the little man in the head started working on us and telling us this is wrong. You should be ashamed of yourself. We all had that happen to us somewhere along the line. And so now it's really refreshing to be able to come in here and remove all that. So that chatter in our minds, by coming in here, being guilt-free, shame-free, and worry-free, and coming into this class without all those fears, that really helped me to see the difference of how I should proceed with how I do things. And the reason why is because I don't need all that chatter in my head. I just don't need it. Edna, does that help you understand a little bit more about why we want to come in here as a discoverer or an explorer rather than analyzing ourselves? Yes, it makes some sense, I think. Um... Okay, good, good, good. It's more important to just chill out and just keep and trust that the divine will guide me instead of analyzing everything as much as I do. I mean, I'm not as bad as I used to be. I am very analytical at times. I know that's not the way to be because it creates conflict of emotions and it creates confusion in your subconscious. It creates confusion in your intentions because the analytical is the side that's doubting. It's saying... Well, you should analyze this because here's all the reasons it may not work. And you end up fooling yourself into thinking that being analytical is actually preparing you for the worst and that it's better to be prepared for the worst. And I'm realizing that, no, it's actually not good to be totally... I mean, it is okay to prepare for things like 
save money so that you don't starve to death. I'm not saying it's wrong to prepare for some things and to analyze how you're spending your money and practical things like that. That's not bad analytical sense, but when you're analyzing how something's going to work because you don't know how it's going to work, you're actually telling yourself that it's not going to work. Bingo. I haven't really been that bad, but I've been analytical sometimes to the point where I've sabotaged certain things in my life. That's why I'm taking this course, so that I can free myself from the restraints of analysis and so that I can free myself from having to read into things so much and dissect everything and, and so that I can just say, okay, and be happy with that and be surrounded by people who can increase my sense of serenity and peace and an awareness of what it means to be a kid again. I want to be a kid again. I don't like all the crap that's gone into myself throughout the years from growing into a young man. Being 35 now, I wish I was 15 again. I long for those days when my life was simpler and I had more simplistic thought processes. Chris, I want to thank you for taking the stretch and recognizing that as you're releasing the need to analyze. Marsha, is it fair to say that the more Chris can release his need to analyze, that he's going to have a lot easier time on his journey? Absolutely. I could not believe that I wasn't even stopping to think about how to do something, what to say, how to go about doing things. I just really went with that flow of energy. I really felt that flow of energy that I was in, and it was good, and that was good enough for me. And as long as it was good energy that I was in and I was doing things, I felt right. Beautiful. Agnes, you have been an extraordinary trooper with us. Oh, go ahead. I'm still thinking. I feel the wheels turning. <laughs> I don't know what to think. What are those, what's that grinding noise I hear? Oh, that's Agnes. She's thinking. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, Agnes, when you stop and think about where you're at in life right now, Which part of you seems to be more active, the analyzer or the explorer? I really don't know. I don't know what I try to do. I just know I worry a lot and I think a lot. (laughs) I go in circles probably. Marcia, what would be your diagnosis with Agnes? (laughs) (laughs) I would definitely tell Agnes, Agnes, You do not have to do everything perfect. You do not have to worry because I know as well as you know that God has watched over us this whole time. And you are in the right place right now. And we all came in worrying. But I'm going to tell you that I think most of us on this journey have had to learn how to unworry, how to not become so worried and so frazzled throughout the day. We don't need to do that. We need to get back to how we, it was like when we wanted to go and play. When we knocked on the door of somebody's door and said, hey, can you come out and play? 
and we honestly, it will make life easier. Yeah. And Agnes, your life does not have to be perfect all the time. Seriously. You can relax, you can enjoy things, and it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay for you to have your moment where you're distressed, but come back, refocus. Think about what it was like when life was much easier for you. Well, now, Marcia, that's interesting that you're using the word perfect because I have the silly notion that that which I come from, that source, that divine soup, whatever that is for people, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it God, Yahweh, Allah. There's all sorts of different names. I just call it a divine soup. And I have this silly notion that whatever it is that I have come from and that I will return to is perfect. It's only my ignorance it's only my silliness, it's only my ego that allows me to think that I'm anything less than perfect. That's true. That is so true. I believe that it's also our ego that keeps us striving for that perfection and doesn't allow us to be free. We think that our whole world has to be perfect and is centered around us. And I believe that when we let go of that idea, we're going to have an easier time. Now, it's interesting how you're using the word let go. So if, do I hear you correctly, Marcia, that with the assumption, the notion that everything is perfect, we can let go of any notion that we're anything less than perfect? Exactly. Did I hear that correctly? Okay. That's exactly right. You heard it correctly. With that stroke, as I remind myself that I have come from perfection, that I am perfect, and I always will be perfect, and I'll return to perfection, is there any need for doubt, guilt, shame, or worry? Agnes, does that help at all? It's going to be a long journey. Agnes, you represent the fact that (laughs) you've got more life under your belt. And so there's routines that you've adopted and have for much longer than some of the other team members, some of the other team seekers. Yes. So I'll offer this as kind of a, an interesting notion. There's a, an author by the name of Dr. Scott Peck. He once wrote a book that ran for quite a while at the number one bestseller, The Road Less Traveled. A lot of people picked up Dr. Scott Peck's book, The Road Less Traveled, and they had quite a few ahas in it. And I happened to read an article once upon a way back one that I just has stuck with me because I thought it so interesting, and it applies to the doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. Somebody was interviewing Dr. Peck, who was at that time a fairly well-established psychologist. And the question that they point blank asked Dr. Peck was, when... Does he think people are fundamentally the most happiest? And reportedly, Dr. Peck replied back very quickly, and his response was, when we could poop and pee our pants. (laughs) I understand the metaphor, Sol. Go with it. What's your understanding, Chris? 
It basically, it's saying people are at their most happiest when they're at zero. And that's why I'm taking this journey, because I want to return to zero. I want to reset everything that I've come to believe. And I just want to flow, man. I just want to be centered. That's it. Okay, that's one facet. Chris, think about this. Doubt, guilt, shame, and worry. Now, Marsha, I've never had to potty train an individual before. And I know that we've got parents on the line. I know that Doug, Doug, you're with us. I know you've got kids. You've had to go through potty training. And Agnes, you, you've had kids. You've had to go through potty training, right? Right. Yes. Now, I honestly don't remember my own potty training, but is it fair to say that something along the lines of doubt, guilt, shame, or worry was a tool used to train us to hold in something our bodies naturally want to eliminate? Yes. Is that a fair question? Wow. Yeah. Yes. So this is Doug. It, it sounds to me what he was saying when he said it was so you, you so eloquently put <laughs> back when we were proving pain in our pants. And I think what he's saying there is that we're happiest before we learn how to be unhappy. Very true. Very true. What I'm trying to bring up is doubt, guilt, shame, and worry has been wired into us. Right? Yeah. Cindy, any thoughts? Yes, I'm here. Cindy, what are your, some of your reflections so far? I always considered myself more of an explorer versus an analyzer because I was just always curious about things. I was curious about people, places, and different things, and I was always told don't talk to strangers, but I didn't worry about it. I trusted them, and the opposite of what my parents told me, I did. I was like a nonconformist kind of, and I just <laughs> was always busy exploring. My mother would try and enclose me in a gate in the backyard where we lived when I was a baby. I still managed to get out because I loved animals, and I would be chasing <laughs> all the animals around. There was this beagle outside, and his name was Rusty. And I was talking to everyone in the neighborhood. I wasn't worried about anything. And they would invite me into their house. I'd have lunch with them. Or I'd help them bake a cake. And I had no worries. I mean, it, so much for feeling any guilt, shame, or worry, being an explorer. So Cindy is going to be one of our coaches. That if any of you all start bumping into doubt, guilt, shame, or worry, and you can't write that $100 trillion check and cash it, we can tap on Cindy's shoulders as well. I love it. <laughs> I like where you're going with that, so. <laughs> In our ground rules, one of the cute little things I suggest is that you're welcome to have a, an episode of Doubt, Guilt, Shame, or Worry if you could write a $100 trillion check to a charity and it's cashable. Otherwise, it's too expensive. <laughs> part of our setting up the ground rules and part of our signing of the contract, I know Rick, for example, when I was reading Rick's blog post, Rick, you had commented on the fact that signing this contract to yourself was one of the few contracts you've ever signed, yeah? Yes. And now that you've signed it, and it's been a while since you've signed it, what are some of the ripples you're feeling already? It's really cool because I didn't understand it at first, how it made me feel. At first, I was sort of like negative about it. I signed a contract for a mortgage once, and I signed a contract for a job once. 
But then all of a sudden I started to think about it for a couple of days and look at it and look at it and look at myself where I made a deal with myself. I signed a contract with me and I made myself accountable for myself and that's who I am anyways. So it reaffirmed it. And then when I signed my name, I signed my signature on it the way I've always wanted to sign my signature and they would never let me since I was a small boy. And it, because of Souls program, pay me what I'm worth, I was able to, he said, sign it, sign it, sign your name on it. And I didn't feel like I had to sign the name that they had forced me to sign my whole life. And I signed my name like I always wanted to sign it. It felt so free and so amazing after I did it and thought about it and let it sink in because I have a hard head or something. So that's how I felt. And team, we're blessed because Cheryl, Rick's partner, from time to time I'm going to ask Rick and Cheryl to reflect on what they've observed in each other because they're, they're in the house. They're going through the program together. And it's not often that a, an eclectic group like we have, where we have partners sharing a home, going through this program together. So I'm kind of curious, Cheryl. I'll throw this question out there, and you can say, well, I don't need to answer that right now. And I'll throw the same question out to Rick as well. Cheryl, have you noticed any shifts in Rick since he signed his contract? <laughs> There's been a shift after shift after shift after <laughs> shift. <laughs> He's been shifting all over the place, huh? <laughs> I have to shift behind him to either sometimes he gets so wound up and so he's having aha, 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 and he just gets so wound up and I just have to say, is there any way that that could be toned down just a little bit? And then he'll realize that he has so much energy. I have to go for it. A walk up the hill for three miles. And so, yeah, I, I guess so, maybe so. <laughs> but then he'll realize what's going on, and then he'll get real grounded and everything again, and, and then maybe start thinking some more things and get going again. But, yeah, I guess I'd have to say I've noticed a little bit. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if he had with me. It has been an amazing experience. It's hard to explain, okay, you're only on the third class. And just in this small amount of time, we have become closer by the day because we're talking about things now. We're discussing okay. things. Yeah, we talk about different things because we have to for class, how we feel and how things are. So it's brought us closer together after 27 years. So that's what I've noticed in both of us. In Cheryl, I've noticed that she is able to express her feelings better without letting her emotions override how she feels. She'll be able to tell me without crying and realize that it's not wrong that she's telling me it. That it's, I'm okay with it. So a lot of growing, a lot of love. We start hugging more. We start looking each other in the eyes more, and we've always told each other we loved each other every day, all of our lives since we've been together, but it's increasing now, so we really appreciate Marcia Sortino's class and everyone that participates 
It's really amazing. It's helping us a lot. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rick. That old saying, life is a journey, not the destination. We've all heard that before. Everybody has their own interpretation to that. Over the years, I've heard most people say that when they think of explorer and analyzer, they align explorer with journey and analyzer with the destination. Part of what feeds doubt, guilt, shame, and worry is the analyzer. And if the analyzer doesn't have enough to feed doubt, guilt, shame, or worry, one problem becomes two, two problems become four, four problems become 68, <laughs> they, they multiply. What are some of the reflections you're picking up from today's discussion about these ground rules? Any particular notion as to why I'm spending this amount of time on helping us get settled into a space where we feel free to explore? The encompassing purpose of this is to allow us to understand, as long as you're doing the work for the course, you don't have to be scared of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or assuming the wrong thing or the right thing, that there isn't really an ultimate path of this is right, this is wrong, this is how you go and how you work. Good start. Who wants to add to that? What I can say is what I've been hearing, the reason I think that you're concentrating so much on eliminating the doubt and shame and guilt kind of makes me think of Dianetics. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of that. I don't agree with a lot of it. Basically, the precept is that because our minds are built to protect us, that any kind of trauma, whether big or small, sets up natural blocks in our mental pathways that protect us from revisiting harmful or hurtful things. And because of that, our potential is limited because we have those blocks and we have such a difficult time navigating around them to freely expand our horizons and free our thought processes up to use to utilize the most potential we have in our own thought processes and our own brains. Now, again, Dianetics is the basis for the Church of Scientology, which I don't agree with, but the precept was really very interesting. And if you can find a way to get around those blocks or to remove those blocks... I think the thought processes and, and, of course, your level of achievement is freed up considerably. sounds like what you're going for is to give us tools and methods that will allow us to remove those blocks so we can really excel and, and achieve greater things and have greater belief in where we're going. Ah, he's tapping into it. He's tapping into it. Marsha, out of curiosity, one of the items that you keep hearing me say on Team Clarity's journey is this concept of integration. Yeah? Yeah. So when I hear languaging, like letting go, I'll use the analogy of many trees when they follow their annual cycle, when they sprout leaves and then they drop leaves, and those leaves, unless they're raked, The leaves just simply decompose back into the ground, and they're absorbed. They let go of the leaf. The leaf then is absorbed. It decomposes back into the ground. The type of integration I, I invite you all to ponder is our journey is to integrate everything such that some things may need to get composted, 
But at no time am I asking you to cut off or let go. Marcia, do you recall the significance around that? When we revisit some of the things that happened to us in the past, we're really not having to forget it because if we had bad lessons that we learned, if there were lessons that we learned of bad experiences that we had, they actually add up to our knowledge, our worth, um, because now they are deposits we've made because of those experiences. We have learned something from them. Through that, we don't actually forget those experiences, but we are able to get to the point of forgiving them, forgiving some of those things that happened. And that's my understanding at this point. So I hope we're talking about the same thing here. <laughs> As we integrate, Doug was just saying about helping this journey, helping you acquire tools. Okay, I'll add to that menu. As we go through our journey, I look at the fact that you already have the tools. It's just that they may have a layer of dust on them. Or you may have forgot where you put them. I always use this analogy. There's been more than one occasion in my life where I've lost something, and I'll tear the house apart trying to find it, and I can't find it. And in utter desperation, I'll go to the store, to the same store that I knew where I bought the last one, and I'll go to the store, and of course, when I get to the store, they've moved it. I can't find it. And I'll go to a clerk, and in utter desperation, I'll say, I'm looking for blah, blah, blah. And they'll generally look at me like I'm blind, because what I'm asking the clerk to find for me is generally right in front of my nose. Has this happened to anybody else before? <laughs> this has happened to you all before, yeah? Yeah, it's happened to me. It happens actually quite frequently when I'm worried, when I'm not in a good state of mind. Consider me that clerk. You've already got what you need. It's been so in front of you for so long, you may have looked at it in a way that you haven't looked at it in a while. And I'll shake the dust off of it. Fair enough? Yeah, I think it's human nature because whenever my wife can't find something, that's the first place I look is right in front of her. (laughs) (laughs) And that's usually where it is. So now, ground rule number two, I understand this book is designed to challenge me, not harm me. I understand this book is designed to challenge me, not harm me. Anybody want to reflect on ground rule two? When I first looked at that ground rule, Saul, I knew there were going to be some things that I might not feel comfortable with at first, but... I realized that as I started doing the exercises, it really got me to a more comfortable place in opening up. I did not always want to open up to everything that I had experienced. And I think I might have looked at some of those experiences as so bad that I don't even want anybody to know. I have gracefully learned to open up Uh, bits and pieces of myself little by little because I realized going back to being guilt-free and worry-free and doubt-free that opening up was going to free me. And so I started doing that. And it has freed me. (laughs) 
It's a fine, fine balance, isn't it, Marcia? Part of what I'd like you all to, to ponder is that when a nerve is struck, when part of an exercise really cuts close to the bone, when something really stings us, what's our natural reflex? Cover up back way. Mm-hmm. What else? Cindy, when something seems like it's harming you because it feels painful, normally we associate pain with harm. True or false? Yes. True. So, Cindy, when you feel pain, it could be easily interpreted as it's harming you. Yeah? Oh, yes. I, I think some cases, no, actually. If you're lifting weight, it is making you stronger. So, not in all cases. Oh, that's a good example. I like that analogy. That's good. Because there are times on our journey together. Marsha, would you care to share on your journey, we first struck a nerve? <laughs> I believe it really struck a nerve in me when I was asked the question, are you paid what you're worth? And I had to really own up to where I was at, that it really kind of bothered me after a while. I was like, wow, I had been giving all my time. I had been so dedicated to something I was doing and giving all my time, and I never really stopped to think about it, but that was the first time that it really hit a nerve for me when I was asked that question because I had to stop and look at it, and it was painful to actually look at because of the fact that I thought I was on the right track the whole time. Mm -hmm. I'm bringing this up because part of our ground rules, when I allow myself to be an explorer and I experience pain, instead of flipping into analyzing mode, what caused that pain? How can I avoid that? Do I deserve that pain? Is that pain, am I a victim? You know, that's the analyzer part of me. When I flip into the explore mode going, whoa, where did that pain come from? And I start exploring, and I give myself permission to explore without judgment. I'm curious, where did this pain come from? It makes the relief of the pain more quick and more profound by exploring it. So part of ground rule number two the harm that you may feel has already happened to you. And through our exercises, some of those moments where you have been harmed physically, emotionally, we're going to be digging up some of those experiences. And there will be possibly some pain involved. And when that moment happens, I humbly ask you, blog about it. Share it with us. Put it in the private blog. Allow us as a team to give you some perspective if you want it. And when you're blogging about it, be specific with what you're looking for. Do you want perspective? Do you want feedback? Because that balances with ground rule number three. It's my responsibility to balance thinking with doing. And one of the most blessing things that I've had with Marsha is, Marsha, I've got to watch you shift from thinking about it to doing it, and it is because of Marsha's doing, you all are on this call. <laughs> Thank you for that, Marsha. Thank you for coming on this journey. 
Marsha, how have you allowed yourself to shift more into doing and less thinking? What's your secret? I got myself out of that need to analyze. I just said, I'm not going to analyze this. I'm just going to do. There's so many people out there that have not had a chance to see this program. And I said, wow, I, I have got to share this. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it. I don't need to go in there with, I can go in there freely, just like that child that used to knock on the doors and ask people, can you come out and play? And all I did was really start chatting with people and ask them, can we talk or over a visit on the phone? I just felt like that child again, and that's what really created the magic for me. I didn't stop to think, how am I going to write my script? How am I going to invite people? I didn't stop to think about that. I already knew there were certain people that I could definitely talk to because I was on that same wavelength with them. I just went for it. Mm, Yum. (laughs) No worries. (laughs) We can carry on this conversation. I'd like to do a round of takeaways before we conclude, but we can carry on this conversation in the virtual classroom. In the virtual classroom, I'd like to see more dialogue about the ground rules, if you sense that you need other ground rules. I just started the conversation with the first four ground rules. We're just laying out the game rules here. If that agreement needs to change, we'll we'll create a rule around that. And this goes back to what we talked about last week, expectations versus agreement. I like our group to think about the notion that we're going to work on agreements. And if there's any expectations that work their way into our flow, we've got to address those expectations early on so that they do not become a weed and grow and cause problems. (laughs) Marsha, what have you found to be useful regarding the audio library? Have you suggestions around our audio library? Definitely what is useful is downloading it and revisiting the call. It really helps to open up your whole perspective of where you are in the journey as well as hearing everybody else's perspective throughout the whole call. It will also help all of us to get our thoughts together and do more blogging. So I really encourage everybody to take advantage of re-listening to the call so that we all know where we're at. I appreciate that because I've had people who have completed this course over six years ago. They continue to go in to their audio library and listen to calls to where they've been to help them get a perspective of where they're now. So how about a quick round of takeaways? I just really enjoyed listening and learning from what everyone had to say getting different perspectives. I need to have time to think after the fact. It takes me a little time. Nah, I love it. It just states a lot of what we talk about tonight in our subconscious. Oh, we're going to have fun. Okay, thank you. All right, next aha is Mr. Doug. What popped for you tonight? The ground rules number two and the fact that I understand that usually when you're trying to learn something new about yourself that it can be painful. And usually when you're feeling the pain is when you're getting on the edge of a breakthrough. So mm-hmm. I really like that. But what I didn't 
do before that kind of struck me tonight was how I can tie that in with the switch over from exploring to analyzing. That was a really interesting concept because I'm an analyzer to start with. I want to do it like to look at everything, every possible outcome of something before, not necessarily before I jump into it, because I'll, a lot of times I'll do it as I go. But many times I'll get distracted by always looking at different ways of doing things rather than just doing them. Now I'm going into analyzing mode when I do that, and a lot of times it's because of some kind of fear of failing or rejection or maybe somebody's disapproval, whatever the reason kicks you into that analyze mode. But I never really made that connection before that, that the shift is there. I never really saw or noticed when I shifted from my exploring, which I love to do. And I'm always taking on new challenges. I'm always trying new things. I call myself a jack of all trades or maybe a Joe of all trades because I don't know jack. Uh, but I just never noticed that changeover before. And it really, really gives me something to watch in myself as I'm a forward, especially when we start delving in, trying to dig out those whatever we're looking for, whatever truths we're trying to learn about ourselves, I think that's going to be a big thing for me to be able to say, wait a minute, I just made that switch. I just went into analyzing mode. So let's back up and take a second look at it and look at it with those uh, excited, awe of childhood type eyes again and say, let's see where we can go with this instead of backing off and saying, oh, well, let's see, this could have gone this way or this could go this way. I think that's very exciting. It's really giving me something to look forward to. So I appreciate that. Mm, yum. The explorer is being let out of the bottle. I love it. I love it. Mm, okay. Rick and Cheryl, your ahas for tonight. My okay. big thing was when you, Soul, said, that how our childhood and how all of the things in our lives build up and program us because it immediately made me think of my grandmother. When I was a teenager, she was elderly, and she would worry, 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 worry. And I saw her do that. I knew that she was doing that. I said to myself, I'm not going to do it. But as I grew older and I got married, so I was programmed by exactly that, and my mother was a big worrier. But once I got with Rick, then he says, there are no what-ifs. And so I really started working on that. So I tend to not worry unless something pries its way in there. I really got a lot better on that. So, But it did remind me when you said that, that we are programmed however our family is, that it promotes us to be that way too. I had a lot of aha moments, but the one that really I want to say that touched my heart is when we broke off into our groups and Cindy was there, and she has such a gift of seeing the positive in things and not really even giving any energy to the negative. She was so non judgmental and just like Cindy we got in the group and I believe I could really feel a cohesiveness in the group as we picked our name and and as we go through the process and it is really to me it's the whole thing is aha I'm so thankful to be here and I'm so thankful that the environment that we've created for ourselves 
that's safe and a learning environment. That's really cool to me. I mean, I really feel comfortable getting more comfortable with the group, getting to know the people, and it's really helping me grow. And Cheryl and I get closer, and both of us grow together. So I really appreciate that, and thank you. Yum, 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 yum. Kareem. <laughs> okay, popcorn for me is interesting because a lot of people in my family are very analytical. They want to make a decision. They try and be all the potential bad things and all the potential good things that could happen. And I used to be like that up until maybe high school when I started snapping out of it because I wanted something different for my life and I always thought I would be an entrepreneur and I would be somebody who didn't always follow the grain. And for me, being an explorer was a lot more fun, especially in college, going to different places, meeting new people, trying different experiences. I never thought I would be playing the type of music I play. I never thought I would be interested in a course such as this. When I was 16 or 17, my main prerogative was to play video games. So it's definitely <laughs> changed my perspective on life, my perspective on what I want to create for myself. I appreciate that, Kareem, because as you journey with us, Marsha, is it fair to say that Kareem may want to start dripping on his family and just letting his family know that he's going to be more of an explorer versus an analyzer because what I've learned, Marsha, have you found that as you shifted in this journey, people who you, you haven't told you're on this journey and they're going like, Marsha, you've changed, right? Yes. I decided this was a great way to share especially with my children who are so far away, for them to be able to hear my journey and what is happening with me and also see how I looked at things in the past as compared to how I am looking at things now. I believe that is one of the desires I have is to be able to share with my children what is happening with mom right now. And it's a wonderful way for them to hear what's happening with mom. Going on to blog talk to listen, <laughs> just to see what mom's up to, and that's been fantastic for me. I have my brother and my mom here, so they can hear me when I change the, uh, the computer settings so that they can actually hear me on the call. It's been really good because I've had comments from them, wow, Marsha, what you're doing right now. That's fantastic. So I think my mom has always had that belief in me that I can do anything. She's always told me that all my life. I just never believed it like she did. And I'm so thankful for my mom and as well as my brother for allowing me to do this without all that shame and telling me, what are you doing wasting your time on that? They have been so supportive. So it's been really key for me that I have that support. Besides the support of all you people here and Seoul and this program, I have it. So I'm very blessed in that manner. 
Kareem, I would highly encourage just a light drip on the family. Let them know that you're going to be on a show, another show, because you're already producing one other one. But let them know that this show is a little bit different, and they may discover a little more about you as you take this journey with us and we air it out into the world. Well, everybody, thank you for all the hard work you're doing. Marcia, any final takeaways you'd like to share before we wrap? With the ground rules that we've set, so let's really work with those ground rules and feel free to go explore, to go place your aha moments in there without any judgment or criticism. Don't let that little guy in your head decide that, oh, we have to analyze what we're thinking. Let's not do that. Let's go in there freely. Let's go in there with our explorer hat on, and let's take off with this. We have such an amazing program right now that we can feel free, and we can do this, and we can shine. All of us here can shine. You know, I just want to thank everybody for the call. and I really enjoyed everything and all the different perspectives. Mm, mahalo, Kareem. Appreciate that. All right, Miss Marcia, once again, you rock. And I really do thank everyone for coming, and I thank you so for this awesome, awesome place where I can actually grow and share and learn and experience this growth with everybody. Thank you. Everybody, thank you again. We'll catch you next week. Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. I'll be sure to share your comments with all Team Seekers. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Aloha.